Hello, everybody. It is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Shout out to everyone listening to the show. We're going crazy on the Clips channel right now, so that is much appreciated. We got a stacked episode in this one. Make sure to drop a like. Make sure to subscribe. I'm going to be talking about the Hawks, the Heat, Oklahoma City, the Clippers, the Patriots, Cade Cunningham, and do a March Madness bracket. So yeah, let's just get right into the episode. First thing I'm going to talk about is my scouting report of the consensus number one overall prospect in the 2021 NBA draft, and that is Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. I've put a ton of work in to making sure I have a very detailed uh, scouting report on this young man, so make sure to leave a like, make sure to subscribe if you're new. It would really, really be appreciated if you shared this one. I spent so much time on it, so let's just get right into it. Cade is a 19-year-old 6'8", 220-pound guard out of Oklahoma State. In his only season at college, he averaged 20.2 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 3.6 assists on 45.4% from the field, 41.2% from three, and 85.2. Uh, 4% from the free throw line. My strengths are that he is great size. I mean, 6'8", 220 pounds for a guard is just absolutely fantastic, especially in this modern era. Fits that perfectly. He has phenomenal footwork down low, can do a variety of moves. Uh, He's really, really good in the post, which I love to see. His ability to post up smaller guards is something that I always like when uh, guys who are bigger take advantage of that. And he's got a nice fadeaway, has a nice uh, hook shot and again his footwork is just fantastic especially for someone that young he can clearly see he's mastered his footwork he has the versatility to play one through three which would allow him to fit with almost any team and would also give him the versatility uh, to just play in a bunch of different lineups he can play alongside two other guards and you can uh, run just a super high up-tempo pace uh, where you just have other guards where they can play, make, and facilitate. That would work perfectly. But he can also be your starting point guard and then play with a more traditional lineup. It's fantastic versatility from him. He has the it factor, which is something that I do feel like can be overblown, and I don't like really using it as an argument for someone, but it is something that's important. At the end of the day, having the unmeasurable ability to be a cold-blooded just killer down the stretch is so important if you're going to be the leader of a franchise and especially in a stack draft like this one Cade Cunningham being the consensus number one guy shows how good he is you need to have that mentality to be able to close out games and to be able to uh, do your best at the highest leverage moments it really does just separate the good from the great and he's already shown that in college he has the ability to just take over games at any moment which is so impressive and, and it really just shows a level of maturity that's really rare out of such a young guy like Cade Cunningham he has a pretty good shooting form uh, not really anything that I have a big problem with I watched a pretty long videos like an eight minute video or so about his shooting form and there are some like minor tweaks you would like to see his jump shots a bit slow but this is a super uh, big nitpick and I think his jump shots already pretty good he'll probably just have to make some very minor tweaks like I'd like to see his knees a little uh, farther apart from each other but other than that very nice jump shot and a pretty quick one Uh, he has the ability to hit those pull up step back and sidestep threes 
that really just makes like all the elite scores we see in the game today, especially the up and coming guys like the Luka Doncic's, the Devin Booker's, Jason Tatum's. They have those moves in their bag, and those are so important uh, to be able to close out games having those shots. He's very confident as a three point shooter uh, as a whole, which is great because that was the biggest worry coming into him for college. He was compared to Ben Simmons a lot, and it was because they were very versatile guards who could do a lot of different things. But you you were worried about uh, their shooting, obviously. It was never to the extent of Ben Simmons, but for him to shoot plus 40% from three on a good volume attempts is incredibly impressive for someone who, again, shooting was a worry for him, but now it's actually one of his biggest and best attributes, which is incredibly impressive. And he's got great versatility from out there. Like I said, he hits those pull up, those step back threes. He can run off screens and uh, do catch and suit threes as well. It's really impressive. He's a good free throw shooter, which is always a positive sign uh, to his shooting, translating to the NBA. He does a good job of mixing in the mid range game, which always keeps the defense on his toes. Uh, allowing him to be a three point, uh, a three level score, which is super important. And I do like to see that because we see so many guys nowadays, especially coming up where they really just focus on uh, free throws and uh, easy buckets at the basket and three pointers, but mixing in the mid range game, even though analytics doesn't love it, it's still an important thing to have, especially when you're down the stretch, closing out games. And I love that he does mix that in. He's got really good touch around the basket and with him being so uh, big, it really allows him to be a fantastic finisher. He makes tough contested layups look easy. He's got a nice floater game, which I always appreciate. And he can hit hook shots when he goes down low in the post, just great touch as a whole he has really underrated strength I mean 220 pounds is uh, nothing to scoff at he's a pretty strong dude and it just allows him to bump off defenders while attacking the basket which is incredibly important uh, he fits the modern style of basketball perfectly we see these large versatile guards and wings uh, who can not only create for themselves, but can create for others, be the best players in the league, and be a lot of the best young players. Uh, players like Luka Doncic, Lamelo Ball, who has a similar uh, size to him and has some similar uh, play style things as well, and James Harden. These guys are some of the better players in the league. Obviously, Lamelo's not there yet, but he's had a fantastic rookie season. And then if we look at the champions in these in most of the like last 10 years it's always teams who have big guards or big wings who can just do a lot of different things and who are incredibly versatile that's why we've seen lebron who's kind of pioneered that obviously there's been guys before him who've been able to do similar things as far as skill set wise but he's really pioneered the evolution that we've seen because it went from like big men to really good scoring two guards and now i feel like what is dominating the nba is versatility and bigger guard slash wings and that's absolutely what cade cunningham is uh we just see these guys lead teams to championships far too often uh his number assist his assist numbers aren't flattering he actually averages more turnovers than assist but do not let that fool you at all that is very surface level, just looking at those numbers. Obviously, assist numbers are important, but you can't just look at that. You have to put in the context. His team wasn't full of great shooting. It was full of more guys who were really good at creating for themselves and kind of had a similar play style to Cade. So I think with 
a team that has more guys who are off-ball shooters, he will definitely average a lot more assists. It doesn't nearly tell the full story of how good of a playmaker he is. His vision is fantastic. He just naturally makes uh, teammates better due to how unselfish he is. He reads the game super fast and just toys with the defense. He makes super tight window passes. Uh, that are necessary when we come when we go into the NBA and they're such fantastic athletes who are so long and uh, are able to get to a spot so easily you need to be able to make those really tight window passes and he's already shown the capability to do that he hit shooters right in the pocket which is very very important it's not about just uh, seeing the man and making the pass you got to hit him in the right spot so they can get into their shooting form quickly and he does a great job of that if you closely watch the passes they're all right in the pocket so his shooters can uh, get right to their shot which is uh, a very very good sign and that's perfect his touch on those passes are excellent and it just makes life a lot easier for his teammates uh, his ability in the post allows him to play make very well uh, too because he brings doubles to him where he can show off his just super crisp cross-court passes which are fantastic and something that is super valuable in the modern NBA we see that with a guy like uh, Luka Doncic who has that similar thing where he can post up and take advantage of smaller guards and then swing it cross court and it puts the defense in a really tough position because when you bring over a double and then there's the help defense and you got the shooter in the corner that shooter is either going to get an open shot or the defense is going to have to close out really hard and then it gives uh, whoever has the ball a ton of options and being able to make those passes as easily as Cade Cunningham can do is very, very important. And that's another uh, thing where his post ability helps him a ton. His basketball as uh, IQ as a whole is just amazing. He's an absolute genius. Uh, and you can tell he studies the game so well, which is super important. Like, obviously, he has the physical attributes and the size to be a great player. But you have to have that love for the game and the love to get better, which Cade Cunningham clearly does. He's a pick-and-roll with Wizard, and with how important that play is, I mean, it's the most commonly run play in basketball. Being a good pick-and-roll player is so important, especially because that fits the modern style of basketball so well. He just manipulates the defense and leaves them lost so often, throws so many great passes, and gets easy buckets to his big men. Whoever he gets drafted to, those big men are going to eat off Cade Cunningham because he's so phenomenal in the pick and roll but he's also great at scoring out of the pick and roll as well which that versatility is super important and he does a fa fantastic job of controlling pace which I love to see because he's not an athlete with incredible burst that is just going to stand out. But we've seen players who don't have that, like a Luka Doncic and Shea Gildas-Alexander, get by defenders so easily. And it's because these type of guys control their pace so well. And it's a very, very valuable thing. And it's a reason why I feel like a lot of these raw athletes fail because they don't know how to control their athleticism so even though Cade isn't as athletic as a lot of people him being able to control it so well and manipulate the defense allows him to still get by defenders at a good rate and it always just keeps him contro controlled which is important too like he's never going to be out of control he always just goes at his own pace he's got some pretty impressive handles uh, I love his in and out especially out of the pick and roll like when he fakes he's going one way on the pick and roll and fakes that he's going to use the screen and goes the other way and gets to the basket that's a phenomenal move from him uh, he's shown some really good defensive potential he's made some rotations contest 
And uh, there's been times where he's jumped in passing lanes that have really impressed me, especially when it gets uh, tight in the late game and he really turns up the intensity. That's when you can show that's when you can see that the crazy defensive potential that he has, especially with him being as big as he is for a guard. It is just already there, the potential. And that's definitely really exciting. And he has a good ability to rebound for a guard. Uh, the size obviously helps that. And I love him having a good ability to rebound because it, again, fits the modern style of basketball. It's what I'll say with Cade Cunningham consistently is that he fits this game so much. And I'll, another uh, comparison to Luka Doncic, you'll see that a lot throughout this. That ability to rebound as a guard and then push the pace and push the tempo I think is super important in the modern game. His weaknesses, a lot of these are really big nitpicks because I think he's almost as perfect as a prospect as there comes. So even if I say a weakness, it's not necessarily a big deal. It's just something that uh, stood out uh, a little bit. And I do think he can work on because obviously, uh, no matter how perfect a prospect is, because uh, Cade Cunningham, again, is about as perfect as you can get. Everybody's going to have things that they can work on and things that they can get better at. Uh, and one of those being his handle. Like I said, he does have some impressive moves. His handle's pretty solid, uh, but it could be better. And especially sometimes his handle can get a little too loose, which could uh, lead him to struggle to create his own shot occasionally. And it could just have him get stripped, which leads to some unnecessary turnovers. And though all like high usage players like Cade Cunningham, LeBron, who is the all-time leader in turnovers, Luka, all these guys are going to average a lot of turnovers. That's just what it comes being a high usage player in this league you would like to see him just cut down on some of the unnecessary turnovers again they're going to come but it's some it's rarely he'll just make a lazy pass that kind of frustrates you he'll have like a charge or he'll misfire on a cross court pass not big uh, deals for any of these uh, but it's just something that did happen occasionally that I'd like to see him get better at. Uh, he's not a super explosive athlete, and even though he does do a good job of controlling his pace and he can still get by defenders, sometimes when there's like incredible athletes on him, which he'll see a lot more at the NBA level, that lack of an elite first step can cause him uh, to struggle a little bit to get by defenders. So that's where the handle getting really good is going to need to come in. He has a tendency to be unselfish to a fault. Uh, like obviously you want your players to be unselfish and unselfish and get other guys involved but sometimes he has a lot of slow starts just due to the fact that he is so unselfish and that a lot of times he doesn't take over until later in the game so I would like to see him uh, just have the uh, step in just uh, confidence to take over throughout the entire game and that's something that it's hard for natural playmakers to do a lot of times we saw that with Nikola Jokic uh, a lot earlier on in his career now he's really mastered the ability to take over but still get teammates involved so that's a step that I'd like to see Cade uh, take for sure and his defensive potential is definitely there uh, but there are some issues and I think this more comes from him just having so much uh, offensive uh, responsibility over at Oklahoma State and him playing so many minutes every game. Uh, it's just a lot of simple issues that are there for uh, young players. 
where he can get lost at times, especially off ball, which again is an issue for so many young players. And his intensity can be wishy-washy early on in the game. It's kind of similar to uh, him being unselfish. Like when he's when it's late in the game, he's going to be aggressive. He's going to be locked in on defense. But sometimes early in the game, he can just get beat and you don't want to see that. And his lack of elite lateral quickness can cause him to get beat uh, by quicker, more athletic players, especially when he's not completely locked in. Some guys are going to uh, kind of just blow by him, uh, which, again, is something you don't love, but it's not a big issue. He can have the tendency to ball watch, which is a big reason why he does get beat off ball, uh, especially at the NBA level. If they set like an off ball screen and he's ball watching, he can get completely lost. And there's such a small margin of error with how good the shooting is nowadays. Definitely got to get better at that. And though I do really appreciate that he mixes in the mid range to his game, I think it's great. Uh, he does take some pretty long twos that he still isn't great at. And uh, you definitely want to see those just cut out or at least minimized uh, because he does take quite a lot of them and he just didn't shoot a great percentage on them. And my last issue with him is that while he's a good rebounder for guard as a whole, he can struggle to rebound in traffic. So he may need to put on a little bit more weight if he wants to get good at that or just get better at boxing out because there were some times, especially in the Texas game that I was watching, where he was getting beat by uh, just bigger players, which obviously makes sense. And this is a super big nitpick. Like, this really isn't going to be much of a problem at all. But it is something I noticed and I wanted to say. Uh, and I rate him as the best prospect in the class. Though I had my issues with him, they were all so small. And he's a fantastic player who has a fantastic future. Uh, even in a, such a stacked draft class where I think there could be five all-NBA caliber players, which is really rare to say, I still think he's pretty clearly the number one prospect in the class. That's how good I think Cade Cunningham is. And my best fits for Cade are the Rockets because uh, they could be better than expected pretty soon with Cade Cunningham if they do end up getting him. Just because there's a really nice young trio there. And if you do keep some of your veterans, it's looking nice in Houston if you can get Cade. Because think of a trio of Cade Cunningham, Kevin Porter Jr., and Christian Wood. That's really, really nice. And obviously, you'll still have John Wall. But again, Cade is versatile, so he could play alongside John Wall. And you're not really going to be giving that many minutes to Wall. Like, obviously, he's still going to get his minutes because he's an established player in the league. Uh, but it'll be on an expiring contract, and he just doesn't really fit into your team anyway. So that's a perfect young trio. I think that's an, a fantastic fit. Probably the place that I would like to see Cade Cunningham go most personally. Uh, I think the Pistons would be a great fit as well. Because they need a, just a young cornerstone, a true franchise piece. Because I think they have a lot of complimentary guys that I do really, really like. Like, there's so many guys on that roster. I really like Sadiq Bey. I like Saban Lee. Uh, I like Seku Namboya, Isaiah Stewart. But I think they need a true franchise-changing guy. And I think he just fit perfectly with those uh, guys and with this young nucleus as a whole. I think uh, him and Killian Hayes would work perfectly off each other. Uh, they're two guys who both can handle, both can create, and they both have size. Uh, and even though they are going to both be listed as point guards, I don't think that's a problem. 
And I think it's always good to have a creator in the game at all times. So uh, with Killian probably having a much better second season, I think that'd be a crazy dynamic backcourt. And then their young wings and young shooters would just thrive off his playmaking ability. Sadiq Bey and Saban Lee and Isaiah Stewart, who's obviously a big, would work perfectly with him in the pick and roll. That would be amazing if the Pistons could land him. And my comparison, I have three players who all have certain parts of his game that are pretty similar, and that is Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, and Jason Tatum. The Luka one comes for a lot of reasons. Both fantastic playmakers who see the game super well. Both control their pace incredibly well. Both have that step back three, finish at the basket. Uh, Devin Booker comes from his great footwork in the post uh, and just scoring ability as a whole. I do think he has a lot of similar moves to Devin Booker and a lot of similar moves to Tatum as well. Uh, The Tatum one mostly comes from the footwork and his ability to be uh, just wreaking havoc in the passing lanes uh, when he really puts uh, all his effort in on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, that's my scouting report of Cade Cunningham. I really, really hope you enjoyed that one. I went super in-depth on it. So again, please subscribe, please like, and please share this with your friends because I put a ton of work into this one. And yeah, I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Atlanta Hawks who are streaking right now, playing some of their best basketball. They have won five games in a row and are just looking much, much better. They were one of the biggest disappointments of the entire season. Obviously, they made a ton of big moves over the offseason, but they were dealing with a ton of injuries. Like This team was so just brutally hit by injuries. It was really, really rough uh, for them, and they're still not fully healthy, which is the scary part. Uh, They're missing their player who was their second best player this year in DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter was fantastic for them. He was so, so good before he got injured. Obviously, it's 18 games, so you may not want to just take it as 100% legit. But watching these games, I saw all the signs that I needed to from Hunter. And he was just looking so great. He was shooting the ball pretty well. His free throw shooting improved tremendously. And the thing that improved most was just his ability to create his own shot. Uh, And that's definitely big. He was up to averaging 17 and 5 on very good splits with a true shooting percentage of 64. Just a huge leap from his first year. So I definitely think when he comes back, this team is going to be even better uh, just because he was such an important part of this roster. Uh, But as a whole, I mean, they're just at the end of the day playing better basketball now. And I think it mostly comes from the coaching change. I don't think Nate McMillan is some. Uh, amazing coach or anything and there's a reason why he was fired by the Pacers at the end of the day because I don't think Nate McMillan is good enough to lead you to being like a championship caliber team or winning at the highest level but what Nate McMillan can do is lead you to regular season wins at the end of the day he's respected around the league as a coach who's been here for a while and has been doing a job for a while he's much more experienced uh, than their former coach, and he, again, is just more well-respected, and clearly, 
understands how to lead this team better. Uh, at the end of the day, with uh, a thing like this and with w- them winning five games in a row after the coaching fire, I don't even think it's them just playing like much better or they haven't gotten uh, like incredibly more healthy. It's more the fact that the team morale is just better. Uh, there clearly just wasn't support in their locker room for their former coach. So now that they have a head coach who they do back, who they were winning when uh, he was uh, coaching when uh, their former coach was out because he had a, a child. They were winning games uh, under Nate McMillan. So now that he is the full head time coach, you can just tell that they like him more at the end of the day. And team morale is something that obviously you can't look at some sort of stat and find out what it's like. But you can see it. You can just tell when a team is really backing the guy that they're playing for and is motivated uh, to go out there and win games, and that's what they're doing. Trey Young, as much as people dislike him, and I'm not a big Trey Young fan either, he's he's a fantastic player at the end of the day. He's one of the best offensive players in the league, and while his defense is obviously a huge issue, and I'm not going to give him a pass for that, like being the worst defender in the league has its caps to it, he's going to impact winning basketball. I don't know if it's going to be at the highest level, but with how good of an offensive player he is and how much he opens up the game for his other teammates, he's going to help uh, win games. Clint Capel has been very, very underrated this year. Clint Capella's having a career year. He's been amazing this year uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. And a lot of times without Clint, they look completely lost because he's a guy who hasn't missed too many games, but he's missed a few games. And again, just without him, they don't look like the same team at all. He's grabbing rebounds at a ridiculous rate. He's getting over five offensive rebounds a game. Like that is crazy, getting them Five extra possessions every game. That's a big, big deal. And he's been fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. Quietly should be in some defensive player of the year conversations. Averaging 2.3 blocks per game. And the team just looks so much better defensively with him out there. And he's super important to this roster. Which is making the Nyeka Kongwu pick not look so great. I'm a big Nyeka Kongwu fan. I still love him and his game so, so much. Uh, But I was on the board uh, before they even had the draft of drafting Tyrese Halliburton. And obviously, with how good he's turned out, I think that would have been a great pick. Uh, But even if that may not be super great organizationally-wise, that uh, Clint Capella looks like he's not expandable at all, it's obviously good uh, for them winning games. And he's been just fantastic this year. And it's definitely made uh, the defense better than a lot of people expected uh, they're the 13th defense in the league, was the worst defender in the league. And I think that is just because they uh, genuinely did a really good job of putting a bunch of defenders uh, around Trey Young. Like, even a guy who I'm not a big fan of and has definitely been super disappointing on the offensive side of the ball, Cam Reddish, is a very good wing defender. I just want to see his offense be better because he's been bad this year. Uh, he's almost taken a step back from his rookie season, which is not something you want to see at all. He's almost averaging the same numbers, uh, but he's just playing a little bit more and doing those numbers on worse efficiency. He's a guy who just really doesn't have the confidence that I think you need. Uh, You can see it a lot. He just looks, looks scared out there, which is the worst thing you can be as a basketball player is scared because if you don't think the shot is going to go in, it's not going to go in at the end of the day. And I do think he... Already could maybe use a change of scenery. I know he's so young in his career, 
but he just has a bit of a weird fit with the Hawks, and I just don't really know what his future is uh, with that team. He he definitely hasn't looked great this year, and he really hasn't been the reason why they're winning. Uh, Gallinari has had a rough year as a whole, but he's been playing a lot better recently, and him playing better has also correlated uh, them to just playing much better as a whole. He's shooting over 40% from three, and with John Collins being in and out of the lineup at times, he's definitely stepped up uh, big in certain moments. He had that crazy game against the Celtics, and as a whole, he's just looked so much better recently, which is huge for them because he was such a big uh, free agency signing. So them getting that veteran guy who can help uh, lead to wins uh, actually playing the way we all knew he was capable of is really important. Uh, Bogdanovich uh, is uh, not played great for them this year, but he also has played such a limited amount due to injuries that I don't really know uh, what to think of him on this team. My one thing is when he has played, uh, I do want to see him just with the ball in his hands a little bit more because I thought Bogdanovich was going to play the role as the secondary playmaker on uh, this team because that's something he's showed the capability to do earlier in his career, but that just really hasn't been a thing so far. I just can't really uh, evaluate his fit yet because he's played such a limited amount, and like even when he's been back, they're easing him uh, back from his injury. And still, some of their free agent acquisitions haven't even played yet. Like, Chris Dunn hasn't even stepped on the floor yet. And I do think he could be a really nice backup point guard for them. Uh, Tony Snell, as much as there are memes about Tony Snell, he's a good player. Like, he's a really, really nice role player. And doesn't get nearly enough credit for being a solid role player. Like, he's just a good basketball player at the end of the day. And obviously, he's never going to do anything flattering. At the end of the day, it's Tony Snell. But this dude is shooting 55% from three this year. I mean, not, uh, yeah, he's shooting 55% from three this year. Like, that's crazy. Obviously, it's on 2.6 attempts, so it's not like he's shooting a ton of attempts or anything. But he is a really good shooter and just efficient player as a whole. I mean, he shot 100% from the free throw line the, ta- the last two years. I don't care that he's only shot .1 free throws a game. <laughs> he's, he's a sniper from the free throw line. Uh, and just as a whole, the team is looking... Uh, so much better. They're all playing together. Nathan Knight, I love what he's brought to this team uh, this year. I was a big Nathan Knight fan coming out of the draft. Not saying that he was really good, but I just loved his game, and he's a really skilled offensive player. Uh, he is super, super skilled on that side of the ball. Now, his defense, that's another story. He's kind of got cement feet. He gets killed in the pick and roll, uh, but his offense has looked fantastic in the super limited amount of minutes that he's got. And I do love what Nate McMillan has done with him where like he had a really good game. And even though there was players who are better than him and are more established than him, he just kept letting him play because he was the high hand that night. And I think that's super important to do as a coach is no matter what the status of certain players are out there, if Skylar Mays, let's say, is having a good night, you got to leave Skylar Mays out there. I don't care that there's other players on the roster who are more highly touted than him and who get paid more than him. You got to stick with the hot hand, and that's what he's been doing. Uh, team just looks so much better and looking like the team that we all thought they were going to be. I've been pretty impressed by the Hawks recently, and they're just playing so much better basketball. Next team I want to talk about is the Miami Heat. And man, oh man, is this team looking scary. They have looked fantastic recently, 9-1 and one in their last 10, 
and are proving to everybody that this team is far from a bubble fluke. Uh, and it was really just all along that they weren't healthy, which is something that I feel like not nearly enough people said. Like some people recognized it, uh, but so many people just completely left out the context that they were missing important players for such big chunks of the year. And they still haven't even been fully healthy uh, when they've been winning these games, which is the impressive thing. Uh, it all starts with Jimmy Butler. He's the engine of this team. He's what makes them go. And he's been incredible this season. Jimmy Butler is an MVP candidate, and there's no other way around it. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it. I don't really think he's going to be like seriously in those conversations. But I think he's a top five guy, top five guy in this MVP race. And it's because he is what the award stands for. He is the most valuable player almost in the league as a whole. I think there's a good argument for that. And it's not only what he does just as a player and what he does individually. It's what he does for this team as a whole. Again, he's the engine of this roster. And you can just tell the the energy and the intensity that he brings on a nightly basis. It just Everybody on this team just feeds off it. And they all play so much better. He's so infectious in the locker room and is so important to why this team was successful last year. Now that he's healthy and he's playing such good basketball, uh, they are winning games at a, a fantastic rate. He's showing why he's one of the most underrated playmakers in the league. Jimmy Butler's averaging eight assists per game this year, and he's played 25 games. Like That's a pretty good sample size. Jimmy Butler, I've always loved his playmaking so much. He's one of the most underrated pick-and-roll players as well. He's fantastic out of the pick-and-roll, and he's just been killing teams this year as a playmaker. He is so, so good, and again, just needs more recognition, so underrated uh, in that aspect of his game because it's always talked about his ability to close and his ability to get to the free throw line and him on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, those are still huge parts of his game, but his playmaking ability doesn't get nearly enough recognition, and it's one of the reasons why he's just so well rounded like if you just look at the raw stats he's averaging about 21 and a half points seven and a half assist uh seven and a half rebounds and eight assists and 2.2 steals as well that's a complete well-rounded player right there uh, and what I do love is that he is more of a playmaker early on in the game and he'll get his other teammates involved and uh it works very well uh but Obviously, he's going to be the closer down the stretch. That's just that's just what Jimmy Butler does. He's one of the best closers in the league as a whole. He gets to the free throw line at a crazy rate. He's so, so good at getting to the line. And it can be annoying sometimes, uh, but he has really just mastered it. Uh, he's one of the better mid-range shooters in the league. And, man, that defense that he's been playing, is, it's been ridiculous. Uh, and it's again with Jimmy Butler. It's not even about just how he plays defense. It's how everyone else on the roster feeds off of the defense that he plays. He gets them so amped up and gets everyone hype. Uh, he's just a fantastic player and he's definitely a top 15 player in the league. So many people literally after saying Jimmy Butler was like top 10 were pushing him out of the top 15. Paul George is better than him. If, like so many people were disrespecting the hell out of Jimmy Butler, 
just because he had COVID and he did not play super great at the beginning of the year. Jimmy Butler is still that dude, a special player and special person. Uh, the, the, the Miami Heat were one of the worst defense in the league when he wasn't playing, and now they're up to the third defense. That's been the thing that has really turned uh, their season around as a whole is Jimmy Butler's healthy, and they're dominating on defense. Obviously, Bam Adebayo's had a fantastic year. Uh, definitely an all-star caliber year, even though he wasn't able to make it. Uh, I just love how he's expanded his game. It mostly comes from him being a better mid-range shooter this year. That's always something I wanted to see uh, displayed more and something that I really thought we saw uh, be shown off in the Celtics series. And it's just been able to continue to get expanded on this year, which is just so great to see. I always love seeing players uh, just expanding their game, making themselves more versatile, and he's definitely done that. He's improved a ton as a free throw shooter. You can just tell he put in that work uh, to become a better shooter. He's shooting almost 85% from the free throw line on 5.7 attempts. For a big man, that's fantastic, and for any player in the league as a whole, that's fantastic. And his ability to create for himself in the mid-range is really unique for a big man. He's given me just so many shades of like a young Kevin Garnett, and that's such high praise because KG is one of the best players that we've ever seen but I really believe Bam Adebayo is like a young version of K KG the, the dude is just special obviously such a good uh, playmaker rebounds and is such a great defender as well he's another guy on this roster who's just so versatile and could do so many different things he can run pick and rolls better than almost anyone in the league he needs to get more recognition for that he's so elite at rolling to the basket and now that that mid-range is coming in bam at a bio is uh becoming a big big weapon and the league needs to watch out for him uh goron Dragic, whenever he's healthy he was another guy who was dealing with injuries he's so huge to this team man uh, he's one of their better creators, and that's something that they definitely miss whenever he isn't on the floor. Is He's so good at creating for himself, but also creating for others. He's uh, amazing out of the pick and roll. He's got such a good floater game, has some of the best footwork around the basket. Uh, great mid-range shooter, very solid three-point shooter as well. And then playmakes out of the pick and roll uh, so well, too. Uh, like in that Celtic series, him and Bam running the pick and roll was one of the most unstoppable plays I've ever seen. And especially as a Celtics fan watching closely in on that series, I was so frustrated watching this man Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo just constantly kill us out of the pick and roll. He's another player who people just weren't talking about how Goran Dragic was out, but he's so important to this roster. Like as nice as Kendrick Nunn has been this year, and Kendrick Nunn's had a big bounce back, I wouldn't say year because he had a good rookie season as a whole, but that playoff run, he really struggled. And towards the end of the season, he struggled as well, but he's looked much better this year. Uh, and now that him and Drogic are both healthy and both playing well, that's a really, really good uh, guard combination right there as both of those guys are really good creators. Uh, he's uh, Kendrick Nunn isn't nearly as good as uh, a playmaker as Drogic, but he definitely is a guy who can just bring a spark uh, for them, and I think once it comes playoff time, Drogic will be the solidified starter, and we'll see Kendrick Nunn just be a nice punch off the bench. Uh, Tyler Heroes had a decent year, nothing special or anything, and his three-point shooting has definitely been the thing that's been super disappointing, shooting 34%, uh, but as a whole, he has definitely improved his game, and that's obviously nice to see. Uh, so many people don't like Tyler Heroes, 
Hero, and I get that he got super overrated by a ton of guys, but I still like Tyler Hero, and I still think he's going to have some explosive games for them in the playoffs. And this is the thing that does make them dangerous, If is as you look up and down this roster, there are so many guys that can have huge games in the playoffs, but there are also so many guys who can just play their role and fit into a certain role very, very well. Like Duncan Robinson is a guy who can explode. He can have a night where he hits nine threes and scores 27 points, and it's just an absolute killer because you may play good defense on Jimmy or Drogic, but Duncan Robinson just can't miss from outside. He's shooting 39% from three on eight and a half attempts per game. But then you got someone like Andre Iguodala, who obviously isn't a super great player at this point in his career, but he's a versatile guy, playmakes well, brings good leadership to the locker room, good on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I do think he could get traded. Wouldn't be surprised if I saw him gone, but if he was still on the roster by the end of the year, I think he can play an important part in a playoff series. I heard teams were going after Avery Bradley, but if I was the Heat, I'd want to keep Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley's a nice player, man. Uh, he's shooting 42% from three this year, and whenever Avery Bradley's hitting his shots, he's very, very impactful. He's only played 10 games, another guy who's dealing with injuries, uh, but when he does get healthy, I think he's going to be super impactful for this team. Can play both guard positions and could just be very, very solid. Uh, I do think the thing they need to address the most is the forward position, because as much as I like Precious Achua, I like him more as just a backup center. Obviously, he's only 6'8", uh, but he just brings so much energy. He's like kind of a uh, Montrez Harrell, but better on the defensive side of the ball. So I just want to see him continue to play uh, backup center, uh, be the small ball guy. Uh, I really want to see them just get an actual four. And I think that's the thing that would really just take them over the top as a team. Because uh, they didn't really have that like amazing last year. But the loss of Jay Crowder is so huge, man. And I wish they could have paid Jay Crowder. Because uh, if, if Jay Crowder could have been back on this roster, they could be even better than they are now. Uh, if they did choose to pay Myers Leonard over them, then that's then that's absolutely awful. But if he was just set on leaving uh, and they were set on keeping cap flexibility, I understand that. Uh, but I, I think they really are missing that versatility that Jay Crowder does bring. And I do think that's probably the biggest weakness with this roster is that they just don't really have uh, versatility at the forward position. And obviously that's so important in the modern NBA is to have guys who can guard multiple positions and then shoot the ball as well. So if they could somehow address that at the trade deadline, uh, I think this team is terrifying going forward. Any team in the East needs to watch out for them. These boys are not bubble flukes by any means. Uh, if you're a team like uh, the Brooklyn Nets, the 76ers, uh, the Celtics, the Bucks, all of them need to watch out for the Heat. And, and while I don't have them making it to the finals, uh, I think that's not a hot take by any means. Uh, I do think they can be really, really dangerous. And if we see them make a conference finals, I wouldn't be surprised necessarily. I could see them upsetting the Heat. Uh, <laughs> Upsetting the 76ers, obviously, they're the Heat. Uh, yeah, I could see in a 1-4 matchup that goes to like seven games and the Heat end up winning. I wouldn't be surprised by that, especially you put uh, Bam on Embiid, you put Butler on uh, Tobias Harris, uh, and maybe try and get some forward to guard Ben Simmons. That could be a really compelling series. This Heat team is dangerous, man, and they're really just playing the best basketball at a good moment right now. And they've looked fantastic recently. Uh, the Miami Heat are back. 
and they are not bubble frauds by any means. Jimmy Butler is that dude, and you need to watch out for this team. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, while obviously they're not a great team or anything, uh, at the recording of this video, they are 17-22, and 22, uh, the 12th team in the Western Conference. I've been so impressed by them this year, and this team's future, man, this team's future is so, so special because obviously they have just the crazy stockload of assets. They have the Rockets pick if it doesn't fall one through four, which it does have a good chance to, but it also has a good chance to not fall uh, in one through four. And with how good this draft class is, and especially the top five, who I all think have the potential to be all NBA caliber players, and with them having uh, the rights to their own pick as well, this team could have some special talent uh, going forward, and they obviously already have a lot of guys on this roster who are talented and I think are very good as well. Uh, it starts off with Shea Gildas-Alexander, who's had a fantastic year so far. Uh, he's showed me some things that I really didn't even expect out of him. Uh, I really liked Shea last year. I thought he was amazing, but he's taken another step. Uh, and he's uh, looking like he has almost no ceiling at this point. Like he's been amazing for the Thunder this year. He's averaging almost 24 points, five rebounds, and six assists with a true shooting percentage of 63. Those are star numbers right there. And it's kind of crazy to me that he didn't make an all-star uh, game. Uh, he's just been fantastic this year. Uh, I love the way he just controls uh, the pace of the game so much because Shea is not the quickest player by any means, but in a very similar way to Luka Doncic and what I was talking about with Cade Cunningham, that ability to control your pace and always keep yourself uh, controlled at all times is super important, and Shea absolutely has that. Like He does a, such a good job of getting by guys even though he isn't uh, the fastest, and it's because he is so good at uh, speeding up and slowing down at the right times, but he's also just such a smooth player. He's one of the smoother players in the league, off the court and on the court. That man's got crazy fashion uh, too, but he's got such a fantastic handle, gets to his spots in the mid-range so well, and he's a killer from the mid-range. He's got great touch around the basket. He's shooting the ball better than I ever thought he would, shooting 41.5% from three on five attempts. Uh, but honestly, the thing that has impressed me more than anything, because I knew Shea would be a bucket. I didn't know he'd be this much of a bucket, uh, but... I, the one thing I was always like is how good of a playmaker can he be? Can he be a true point guard? And he's absolutely showed the ability to be an actual point guard in this league, which is really, really impressive. He's averaging 6.2 assists per game. Uh, that's not crazy, obviously, but that's still pretty good. And, and for how young he is, he can still grow that aspect of his game. And with him running as many pick and rolls as he does, if he gets a really, really good big alongside him to run with him in the future, say maybe an Evan Mobley, those numbers could go up even more and he could just be super dangerous as a playmaker, which adding to his scoring game, adding to the effort he puts on defense and being a solid rebounder as well. Shea already almost has no holes in his game, which for a 22-year-old, that's terrifying. He's going to be a future all-NBA caliber player, and he's just been amazing for the Thunder this year. There's no other way around it, and especially, again, with the picks that they can potentially have. This team could have two like top five picks if everything goes right. 
they could get they could get Jonathan Kaminga and say Jalen Green or Evan Mobley, and that's yikes, man. That is terrifying. And especially, I do love Shea's versatility because even though he's got better at playmaking, he's shown he can be a point guard. He doesn't need to be a point guard. He's also shown the ability to be an off guard. So they could draft if they got the number one pick somehow. If they got lucky with their uh, picks because they keep winning games somehow. Uh, if they get lucky with their pick, they could get Cade Cunningham and it wouldn't be any fit issues. Shea's just such a versatile player and he's been really good for them this year. Uh, Lou Dort continues to be amazing on defense. Offense has definitely been streaky. Shooting isn't nearly as good as it was early on in the year, but he's still shooting the ball better, showing more confidence from out there, and he's definitely gotten a lot better at creating his own shot. His handle is so much better than it was last year, so that's nice to see. I really, really like Thilo Meladon. I think he's a, a super nice player. He's already shown a great ability to shoot the ball, shooting 37% on uh, four attempts per game. I think he can play alongside Shea, but can also be a guy uh, who plays by himself with someone else in the backcourt uh, because he's just a good player at the end of the day. And it's funny because they have this player on the roster already, but he kind of reminds me, and I think he can be as good as like a, a prime George Hill was. And prime George Hill was a pretty damn good player. Like not all-star caliber, but right a tier below that. So he was a great pick for them, getting him in the second round, only 19 years old, has a ton of room to grow, and I think he could be uh, very, very good. They have one of the highest ceiling players in the league in Alexis Pokusevsky, who has definitely struggled so far, but he had a really good game recently where he showed off some of those skills that he does have. And again, his potential is just through the roof, man. Obviously, he needs to put on weight. He is seven foot and 190 pounds. Like that's an issue at the end of the day. But he has shown the potential to shoot. And the thing that I honestly am intrigued by most is his playmaking ability. He's a really, really good playmaker and is super gifted. So for him to have that size of a seven footer, but to be able to handle and playmake like a guard, if he can put on some weight, he's going to be a unicorn and he could be really, really special. And that's why I love that pick so much is that it's a low risk, super high reward pick. Like, even if he turns out to be nothing, he had such a high ceiling that that pick was worth it. And if he turns out to be good, then obviously that's fantastic for them. Uh, they got Josh Hall, who I like. He's a guy who definitely is going to need a lot of time before he's probably anything. Uh, I do think he can be good. He was a guy coming out of high school. He's still super young, 20 years old, went undrafted. That's another very very low risk and high reward move for them because if he turns out to be nothing it literally doesn't matter you signed him out of undrafted free agency uh they traded for ty jerome which was just like an add-on in the chris paul trade and he's shown a really nice ability to play make this year and he's a guy who is a big guard being six five needs to improve at a lot of different things but he's shown confidence from outside shooting five threes a game and he's shown a really good playmaking ability as well so i've liked what I've seen from him uh, so far this year, Moses Brown has had some really good moments, uh, and he's definitely been a bit of a surprise because I wasn't even aware of him. I didn't even know he played last year. Uh, and then I saw him playing this year, so I did a little research about him. He went to UCLA, and he's been just nice for them this year. I don't think he's ever going to be great or anything, but I think he could be a long-term backup center for them, which, again, getting him out of undrafted free agency, another super low-risk, high-reward move. That's amazing for them if you get a backup center uh, for basically nothing. Like, that is perfect. Uh, and there's just a lot of young talent on this roster as a whole. They traded, 
uh, for Steve Mikhailuk, who is a guy who's kind of struggled this year, definitely hasn't been super great, but has shown in the past that he can be an elite shooter in this league. Uh, so getting a floor spacer alongside the guys you have, I like that. I like Isaiah Roby, who's played a lot of center this year, and I think that's a role that fits him very well. He does a good job of rolling to the basket. Uh, with him being a center for the most part, he can stretch the floor better than most centers can, even though even though he's not a great floor spacer. If he was a four, he rebounds pretty decently too. Like He's a nice player in this young core. And then they have the flexibility to move on from these older players, who I do like, don't get me wrong, uh, but I just don't think fit in the timeline. Like George Hill is someone who teams are going to be Teams are going to be fiending for a George Hill. A team like the Clippers is going to die to get a George Hill type of player who shoots the ball so well and is just a veteran season point guard in this league who's really, really solid at the end of the day. He would be amazing uh, for a contending team. and I think that you could get some pretty good value for George Hill. Uh, Trevor Ariza you can move on from. He hasn't played all year, and he's on a bigger contract than he deserves. But at the end of the day, Trevor Ariza is a guy who is a 3 and D player. Isn't great anymore or anything, but I think he could be uh, decent for them. Mike Muscala uh, is a guy who can shoot the ball off the bench. As a backup big man, I think a team would want him for sure to just bring some spacing. That's so valued in the modern NBA, and he absolutely brings that. I think at some point you'll be able to move on from Al Horford because he's shown he's still a player who can impact winning basketball, even if that contract's big. But once some years are off the contract and they're like, oh, we're only going to have Al Horford for two more years, I think some some team would definitely be willing to trade for an Al Horford type of player. Kenrich Williams has had a really good season for them. And then obviously they have so many picks and they've done a good job of developing talent, which gives me even more confidence in those picks. And in this stack draft class, if they can get lucky in the lottery, this team is really, really scary. Love the OKC Thunder. I uh, love that they're still competing in games, but not being a great team. So hopefully they can still get a high pick from their own personal pick. And they have the potential to get the Rockets pick as well. This team could be really, really special uh, going forward. And their future just looks fantastic. Next team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Clippers, who, though I've had mostly positive thoughts about them this year, and I don't think they're an awful team or anything, they definitely haven't looked great recently, and I haven't been super impressed by this roster, and a lot of the issues that I had coming into the year and last year as well are starting to really come to light as they've been super inconsistent, and it mostly comes from point guard play. Point guard play is something that's so important in this league, and they just don't really have that. They have guards who are decent players, but they don't have a true floor general, which is something that is, again, just incredibly important. No matter how much the guard position will evolve, where we'll see score, scoring guards uh, take over the league, you always need someone who can set up your team and could be a playmaker for you. And that's something that they're really missing this year. And that's something that I think is the biggest reason why they struggle down the stretch. They've been one of the worst teams in the clutch this year. They've really, really struggled. And I do think they have players on their roster who are clutch. I think Kawhi, as much as he's had struggles in the, uh, down the stretch this year, he's still a super clutch player. 
Uh, and I think this team should be much better down the stretch. And it doesn't just come from Paul George having some issues uh, in the clutch. It all comes from, for me at least, the point guard play on this team. They don't have someone who can calm down the roster and slow the game down for everyone. They're really missing out on that. So I think they're, for me at least, probably the most interesting team at the trade deadline because I expect them to be one of the most aggressive teams in trying to improve their roster because they're very good, but they're not good enough to be a Los Angeles Lakers team because they're missing out on the playmaker. As much as Kawhi and PG have improved as playmakers, they're still not floor generals. Just averaging a certain amount of assists doesn't make you a floor general at the end of the day. They're missing out on having like a Kyle Lowry type of player who, if I were them, I've heard rumors that they aren't interested in getting getting Kyle Lowry, but if I were them, I would throw a lot at the Raptors to get Kyle Lowry. I would uh, throw some contracts and throw multiple picks because someone like that is so important and helps winning basketball so much, and that's the exact player that they're missing. Even if you could get a lower quality guy, like Kyle Lowry is still a very good player, so I could understand not getting him because he's on such a big contract as well. But even if you could get, say, George Hill from the Oklahoma City Thunder, you need someone at least like that to just settle down your offense at times and be a a true point guard for you because they don't have that. Uh, like Patrick Beverly is not a point guard. He plays the position, but he doesn't fill that role. Lou Williams, not a point guard. They just don't have that, and that's why they struggle so much in the clutch. It's a big, big issue for this team, and if they don't address it, I just can't see myself believing in them. I think the coaching, at least for this roster, fits better this year. Uh, I think the team as a whole is better constructed than it was last year. But they're still missing the essential thing that killed them last year as well. Uh, Last year, it was big man defense and playmaking. The big man defense with Serge Ibaka is mostly settled, but they are still missing that playmaking aspect, and they still haven't done anything to do it. Even if you could get maybe Ricky Rubio uh, from the Timberwolves, who I think you could buy pretty low on. He's on a pretty big contract, so you would have to match the contracts, obviously. Uh, But if you could get someone like that, I think that'd be fantastic for them. Maybe you get rid of a Patrick Beverly in that trade, and I think you would probably have to put another smaller contract with that. And if you could, say, make that type of trade, that is is like a minuscule trade on paper. Like, you're not getting a massive upgrade in talent or anything. But I do think that's a massive upgrade as far as fitting what this team needs to take them to the next level. Because, again, these these wings are fantastic. Kawhi's been ridiculous this year. Kawhi's been an MVP caliber player. He's uh, shooting uh, 62.7% true shooting percentage, and he's averaging fantastic numbers. Paul George, as much as I'm worried about him in potential playoff series, and I'm not going to just jump back on the Paul George as a top 15 player and he's better than Jason Tatum bandwagon. I'm not going to jump back on that. He is still a a fantastic player at the end of the day. I just do need to see him step up in the clutch. Uh, But he's been great for them this year. He's had ridiculous, 
ridiculous efficiency. He's been one of the most efficient players, and whenever he's healthy, he's been amazing for them uh, this year. I think uh, Serge Ibaka, even though his numbers aren't super special or anything, I think he's fit the role what they needed perfectly and has been super impactful for them. I think Tyron Lue's done a super good job of coaching this team and making them work well together. Marcus Morris now having a bench role has been perfect for them in that as he doesn't uh, need to be alongside other guys who have the ball in their hands as much because Marcus Morris is a guy who thrives when he can ISO a bit and when he can clear out. And now that he's playing off the bench, he gets to do that a lot more, so it just fits him much better. I think Nicholas Batums has had a bit of a revival season uh, for them, and he's playing a nice role as a guy who doesn't really uh, get many touches, but he spaces the floor well and puts in decent effort on defense. He's shooting 43% from three this year, and he's just been a really nice role player for them. Uh, I think... The roster is super well constructed other than that one essential issue because you have a good and one of the better backup fives in Avika Zubok. Like there's not many clear issues with this roster other than the one just gaping hole on this team and that is point guard play, that is playmaking and unless they make a move at the trade deadline, it's impossible for me to believe in the Clippers again this year because They've had the exact same issues, and that's why we see them just go cold down the stretch because it's just so much iso ball. There's no sets ran. There's no, like, pick and rolls ran. Every time it's just, okay, who's going to iso? Is it going to be Kawhi Leonard or is it going to be Paul George? Oh, I wonder who it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be Kawhi this time. He's going to take a tough contested mid-range. And they're such good players that they'll make those shots, but they're such high-difficulty shots that could just be so much easier for them if they had an actual point guard who could run some sets for them, who could be like, hey, hey guys, get into floppy, set some off-ball screens, and then maybe you give it to PG and run a pick and roll and, and clear out. Uh, even that's better than what they have right now, and, and that would make them be such a better team in the clutch. So watch the Clippers at this trade deadline. They're one of the teams that... I think it needs to make a move, and if they don't, it shows a, just a level of uh, them being uh, just safe where they are that I think is really, really bad because this team isn't good enough. I think they have so many good things going for them, uh, but they have a clear issue that they need to fix. So watch them at the trade deadline. I expect this team to make some moves, and if they don't, they're going to be disappointing again this year. Simple as that. Now, I want to react to what the Patriots have done so far this offseason. Obviously, we're still shortly into it, but as a Patriots fan, it's definitely been really interesting to see just all the crazy moves that they've made so far. They're usually a team uh, that makes smaller moves, doesn't really spend much in the offseason, but now after a year where they had one of their worst years in a long, long while, and we saw our former quarterback Tom Brady win a Super Bowl, Bill Belichick has gone all in and has just given out the bag this year, which I love to see. I love to see that aggressiveness so much, and I love to see that he's not giving up on the fact that the Patriots can still be a good team. Uh, Cam Newton was the first signing, and at first I was really mad about this because I think it was just an emotional reaction from me. It was a bad season with Cam last year. He had a lot of struggles, 
But the more and more I thought about it and the more I put context into why he struggled, I'm much less mad about this. And you got to consider that he came off an injury last year, a shoulder injury, which is a really, really serious one and was a reason why he wasn't really wanted by many teams. So that definitely didn't help by any means. He was already coming into uh, one of the hardest situations you can ever see from anybody because he's going into not only a new system, but is going into a whole new city in a year where everything was already so weird and he basically knew he was going to be a starter like what a couple weeks before the season like that's crazy that's that's so ridiculous to expect him to be great and especially when he has no one to throw to Julian Edelman all reliable got injured which is super unfortunate our tight end rookies were incredibly disappointing and no one else got any separation at all so what do you expect cam newton to do at the end of the day and we saw at the beginning of the year before he got covid which is another reason why he struggled he struggled a ton after he got covid but before he got it he was really really good and the patriots were looking incredible so i think now with a year under his belt under this offense with them making moves to get playmakers that can actually help him and that can actually get open for him and with him not dealing with any of the effects of COVID and with having a better defense now that players will be coming back as the Patriots were hit super hard by opt-outs, I think Cam can have a much better season uh, in 2021 and can look much more like the player that we saw early on in the season and that many Patriots fans had expected. I'm not nearly as mad as about this as I was at first, and I'm honestly much more happy. I just hope Cam Newton has a bounce back year, and I think it's within him. I think he can do it. Uh, he just needs time, and now that he has actually actually has weapons, I really do think he can do that and be much uh, better than he was last year. We lost Joe Tooney, which obviously hurts. Very, very good offensive lineman uh, for many years for the Patriots. And it, again, it hurts, but I do think the offensive line as a whole is still solid. Uh, so I'm not like super mad about that, especially because uh, us not resigning him did give us the cap flexibility to still make moves. Uh, we traded for Trent Brown, who is a player who I do think can be good on the Patriots. Had some issues with uh, the Raiders, was o very overweight at certain points. Uh, but I think in a rejuvenated uh, place, now that he really has stuff to prove, uh, I do think he he can be much better and hopefully he's just happier because that'll motivate him to be in the best shape of his life and with him being in actual good shape I think he'd be impactful for this team I like that move for us and the move that I like the most is John U. Smith I think this is a fantastic move literally the only criticism for me is like what if Kyle Pitts is available at 15 uh, but even then, I was uh, talking about this with one of my friends, and I do think this could actually be really interesting, is maybe even if Kyle Pitts is somehow available at 15, maybe we say uh, both of those third-round tight ends we drafted last year, they ain't, really, they ain't really that good anyway. So let's take another tight end who is a dynamic weapon, who is super versatile. He can line up outside, basically acting as a receiver, and maybe we can have our next Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez type combination. But hopefully one of them doesn't end up being a murderer. 
you know, I think that could be really, really interesting if that does happen. Obviously, this is hypothetical, and we'd have to see it actually happen. But just strictly talking about Jonu Smith as a player, uh, I think this is fantastic for us to get him because he's a very, very good player. Uh, especially in the red zone, he was one of the best at going up and high-pointing the football, making contested catches, and he did that so well for the Tennessee Titans. And especially in an offense that has historically favored tight ends and has got them involved, I think he will put up some really good numbers and just give Cam Newton a big security blanket that he really didn't have last year. So I think that's a fantastic move. We paid him a good amount of money, but he's not super old, and I think he can be incredibly impactful impactful for us uh, we got Devon Godshaw who's a decent player nothing special or anything but definitely helps out uh, the front seven which was super weak uh, last year uh, because we just really didn't have that much talent and now that we uh, do have uh, Dante Hightower back uh, the linebacking core being better should help that as well uh, we got Jalen Mills who isn't a special player or anything but we did sign him on a four-year uh, 9 million guaranteed contract. I think that's cool. I mean, our corner position is already really good. Uh, but get another guy who can be solid and uh, just be a decent player for us. Again, nothing special. Uh, but we also got Matt Judon, who I think in the scheme can be really successful. I think he's going to be a great pass rusher for us. Uh, he's a guy who you could argue we overpaid like a lot of these people. But I think at the end of the day, you've got to make moves. you got to improve your team even sometimes if it does come at the uh, risk of overpaying someone. Uh, but getting someone who can uh, get after the passer at a pretty good rate and help that front seven, which was super weak last year, now that you have a healthy linebacking core uh, with Dante Hightower coming back, you're improving some of your defensive line, and now that you got Matt Judon, that's going to be a lot better, and they're going to get much more pressure on the quarterback, which was a huge issue last year, which should also make things easier for Cam now that that defense is going to be way better because the secondary was already very, very good, such good cornerback play, and now that the front seven is better, are both uh, we got some solid safeties as well. The defense should go back to being really good, and it'll make things so much easier for the offense as well. Uh, I really like all these moves. We also uh, signed some receivers as well, which I think is a fantastic idea to do, uh, just due to the fact that we didn't have any separation last year at all. Julian Edelman, as much as we love him, can't rely on him due to him coming off an injury. And then Nikhil Harry is, is bad. He's not good at all. So we got Nelson Aguilar, who... As bad as he was uh, previous in his career, he was really good for the Raiders. Got uh, rid of a lot of the issues that uh, really caused him to struggle as a player. Uh, but when he is playing like he did with the Raiders, I think he can be super impactful for us. He's a guy who can uh, really just turn on the burners super fast and can be a big-time deep threat for us like he was uh, on the Raiders last year. It's a, it's a lot of money for the contract, but I still think he's going to be uh, very good for us and just gives us a weapon, which is so important with a team that struggled so much with getting separation last year. Like We just got no separation at all last year, and now we have someone who can be 
a legitimate separator and really make big plays down the field. That's fantastic for us to get. Uh, that's so, so perfect. And again, it's a big contract, uh, but I do like it still. I think it's still a good idea. We got Kendrick Bourne as well, another guy who can make some plays and I think could be solid for us. He's not going to be special or anything, uh, but just having at least a somewhat reliable receiver uh, who can actually just get a little bit of separation and make some plays in the open field. I think that's super important. He had a solid season with the 49ers last year, and I think he's going to be good for the Pats uh, this upcoming season. As a Patriots fan, I'm super satisfied, super happy with the moves they've made as a whole. Uh, I think they've done a lot of really good things for this organization. They're looking much better in 2021, reloading, and uh, I think they can be a team that uh, could definitely make the playoffs and in a second year with Cam Newen, I think the New England Patriots are dangerous. These are some really, really good moves that they made. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's Ben Michael. Peace out.